0: This is the Out of Character Podcast. Introducing your host, Brian Colbert. Welcome world, welcome. To episode 16 of the Out of Character Podcast. Episode 16, people. I am your host, Brian Colbert. My friends call me BC. You can call me BC, too, if you're listening. And if you're listening, we appreciate you for listening. We appreciate you for sharing. We appreciate you for commenting. We appreciate y'all so much for being here, man. This has been so much fun. 16 episodes in. It's flying by. People, we have a ton of stuff to get into, so we're going to get into it right away. First things first, if you are a first-time listener, then you have never heard of My 90 Day. or well, what My 90 90-day rule is to sum it up very quickly. Is not investing. I call it investing, right? Because spending sounds cheap. I'm calling it investing. It's when a young man or a young lady decides to not invest any type of finances or money into another individual while they are in the courting slash dating stages of their relationship so it's much like you know a 90-day probationary period that a job gives you for instance you know what i'm saying if you mess up anything within those 90 days of that new job you will lose your job and they are not liable to pay you anything that somebody that's been working there long term is owed So that is very similar to what my 90-day rule is. And for those of y'all that have listened, I told you all that I have a friend that decided to take on this 90-day rule. He said, you know what, BC, man? We in a pandemic. Times are tough. I'm not working as much. You know what I'm saying? Money might be a little tight. I don't know his situation. But he said, you know what? I am going to incorporate the 90-day rule into my life. And that is what he did, people. At least that's what he told me he did. And it's been a while. its I don't know if it's been 90 days, but it has been a while since he said that he was going to try it out. And he's told me he would update me on how things went. So I'm asleep, and I wake up to a text uh, in the group chat. And it's, it's the young king. I'm not going to use any names. You know, we're going to keep some discretion for this young gentleman because we don't know where this relationship is going to take him. But he hits the group chat, and he says, BC... Gonna be disappointed in me. BC, you are gonna be disappointed in me because that 90-day rule nonsense is dead. I tried it, it didn't work, I'm done with it. I have already decided that is not a part of my lifestyle, is what he said in me, Bat. And the reason he said that is because he the night before had taken out a young lady. He had met up with a young lady. Yes, they were safe. Yes, I'm sure they got their COVID test. I'm sure they're even vaccinated. I'm sure where they met, they kept a safe, nice, COVID-free distance. But, you know, people got to they gotta live a little bit. They got to go on a date. So, my brother went on a date. And because of the things that happened in this date, he felt he had to spend a little money on this young lady. And I'm sure it was worth it. I have no idea what happened post him spending money on this young lady but I'm sure she is lovely I'm sure she deserved it and I'm sure they had a magnificent time so I had questions though you know I wanted to make sure they did have a good time I wanted to make sure that this was worth it you know the journalist in me was intrigued I wanted to know what had happened so I asked him and I'm gonna basically break down what this young brother said to me and kind of how he ended up in this position because it sounded as if he did not intend to be in this position when the night started. It just so happened to have worked out that way. So he met this young lady. Maybe it was Tinder. Maybe it was through DMs on Instagram. I have no idea. He was very, very coy about how he managed to find this young lady during a pandemic. But we live in Connecticut. This young man does live in Connecticut. And this young lady lived in New York. It's about a two hour, two and a half hour drive from where this young man is. Currently lives in Connecticut. So already, he is investing gas, time, and effort into this young queen. He is driving up to New York. Rightfully so. He's headed to her. He's not having her come to him. He is driving to New York, spending his time, spending his money on gas to make sure he is able to get there and spend time with her so they can have their first date. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it was their first date. How magical. How lovely. A young black king and queen. I'm assuming she's black, I didn't ask that, but I'm just assuming, knowing this young brother, that she is a black queen, it doesn't matter anyway, all races are acceptable, but just painting the picture that this is black love me, right, so my man says, you know what, this young queen, she deserves my time, she deserves my effort, she deserves my energy, so he says, you know what, I am gonna come to you, queen, I am gonna come to you in New York City, now for those of y'all that are listening that don't know much about New York City, let me tell you, it is one of the most expensive places to date, if you are trying to do it Let's say in a, an extravagant way. Yes, there are plenty of places to eat in New York that are very, very cheap. But most of the time, first dates in New York don't go cheap. You know, unless you take it to a park or you guys go to a free museum or something like that. A lot of times, taking a young lady out for a date in New York City is very, very, very expensive. And imagine how expensive it is post-pandemic when she—this might be her first time out and about since. COVID-19 this might be her first date this might be her first time so you know shorty she been waiting on this she in her bag she not going for no park she not going for no museum no she wants the lounges she wants the bars she wants the restaurants she wants to have a good time because she has been itching to get out and I'm sure this young king felt the same way so he heads out to New York they go out they hit this little spot this little lounge spot you know what I'm what saying vibes is good Vi- vibes is on point, man. The vibes is good. they feeling good. The young lady looking lovely. You know what I'm saying? She's smelling good. You know what I'm saying? My man's already drove two hours, two and a half hours. So, you know what I'm saying? He definitely, like, you know what? I'm in this to win this. You know what I'm saying? The waitress comes by and she asks, you know, y'all want anything? Y'all want a drink or something like that? Now, normally, he might have been able to get away with, like, hey, you we good right now. We're going to look at the menu. Let us get some waters and then had the waitress go about her business. But, like I said, This could be the first first date post-COVID. So Shorty want to get her beverage. She couldn't wait to order a drink. She already knew in her mind months ago that first cocktail she was getting when she finally got to go on a date or just be out in public. And so Shorty gets her drink. Now, like I said, they ain't a nice little lounge, the vibes is chill, she orders a drink, and my brother, you know, he has to allow her to do that, because he does not want to mess with the vibes, my man drove two and a half hours, so not only does he look at her and smile at her when she orders her beverage, probably the most expensive beverage, most expensive cocktail on the menu, but my man orders one as well, because she can't drink alone, right, that would jack up the vibes, that would mess up everything everything's cool right now the vibes is chill like i said dj spinning dj getting down playing the cuts playing the perfect mixture of r&b hip-hop and old school he just playing the good cuts and so now him and shorty they really on a groove. They dancing. They touching a little bit. They laughing a little bit because now that liquor hit the system. Like, Shorty didn't waste no time. Shorty didn't waste any time with this drink. She has waited so long to have this beverage that she drank this beverage immediately. She drank it faster than she even realized. And you know what happens when these sisters start drinking their beverages fast? They get lit real quick, and then they start dancing. They want to touch upon something. So that's what's happening in the club. That's what's happening in the lounge. They having a full-on vibe because the DJ is setting the mood, and the liquor is in they system and they are having a good old time so what happens because they order the most expensive drinks on the menu the waitress comes back yes the waitress comes back because in new york city these waitresses and these waiters they get they hustle on because they working for them tips because they are having to do things that normal waiters and waitresses do not have to do so this waitress is back she's ready she got this timed out she done this before she been here before she already know the vibe she see them dancing she see them touching so the waitress comes back right the waitress comes back and says hey how were those drinks? Oh, oh, man, they were really good. They were so good. Oh, my gosh, I'm having such a good time. Oh, are you having a good time? Well, would you like another drink? And my homeboy, I, I wasn't there, but I could just imagine he cringed a little bit like, shit, shit. And you know what? Because Shorty guzzled the last drink and it tasted so good and she's having such a good time. Of course, she orders another drink without even thinking about it. And homeboy ain't going to say nothing. He ain't going to stop her because he knows that the vibes are so good that the liquor is pouring and that he might be able to stay in New York tonight not that the liquor have anything to do with it but it might help a little bit maybe her feeling warm and fuzzy just allows him to sleep on the floor sleep on the couch we're not saying that he's over there doing any wild or salacious activity all he is doing is looking for a place to wrestle he does not have to drive two and a half hours so that's where his mind's at so go ahead shorty order the other drink matter of fact i'll get one too is what i'm assuming my homeboy said but it didn't just stop there The waitress also said, hey, did you flip the menu? You know, the waitresses and the waiters, they love to do that. Did you flip the menu? You know, did you see that we also sell food? Bruh shorty has a full amount of liquor in her system at this point and then she has been offered food she has been offered wings she has been offered calamari i guarantee you the sister said you know what i actually am hungry i didn't eat before i left intentionally of course because she knew she was going on a date and about to get some free food you know what i'd love some wings i'd love some buffalo wings shorty's love ordering the buffalo wings when they got the henny in their system right they love ordering the buffalo wings but not only did she order the buffalo wings she ordered the calamari too because like i said this is the first time she has been out and about in a minute so she is not letting this moment go to waste now not only are they four drinks in in a new york city bar they are now an uh, appetizer or two in because you know he had to order food himself as well because like i said he would not dare try to share an appetizer with her oh no This sister got the Henny in her system. She hungry. She hungry. He's not going to share with her. They might pick off each other's plate, but he has to order something as well because she wants options. So she got the calamari and the wings, but she also made him get the artichoke dip and the guac and chips. So now he has ordered, not only has he ordered four drinks, now he has ordered four appetizers. And now he has spent upwards of a $100. Yes, people, I calculated. I did the math. Yes, upwards of $100 in New York City because that's how expensive it is, people. That's how expensive it is to go out and do anything. in New York City It's one of the most expensive places in the world. And this young brother, he explained the situation. He explained it perfectly. And I, I could feel the pain from this brother, the way he expressed himself in the group chat. And, you know, the night's ending. Like I said, they had a vibe, bro. They was chilling drinks apps music vibes they was chilling they was good waitress pulls back up. oh y'all had, y'all had a good night oh yeah we had a good night now my boy Bobby at this point haven't even realized what all has occurred he probably hasn't really realized what this waitress has put him through during this first day. so he gets the check right and this is how he describes it right the waitress comes puts the check on the table, doesn't even put it in the center of the table, she hands it directly to him doesn't even put it on the table, hands it directly to my friend my friend takes the check there's a subtle look over to the young lady, not only does she not even acknowledge him or look him in his eyes, she acts like she does not realize that the check has been presented to him doesn't even acknowledge the check people, she ran this brother's bill up nachos wop, wings drinks henny on tap probably had a tab open all of that and she didn't even acknowledge the check because she just knew this brother drove two and a half hours he definitely not gonna ruin his chances by not footing the bill so Brother did the right thing, he footed the bill, you know what, he asked out right on a date, he chose to put himself in this predicament, and yes, now he is 100 to $150 less rich. Now, like I said, I did not ask him how the night ended. I did not ask him if he ended up having to drive himself home that night from New York City. I did not ask that because that's none of my business, but what I will do is I will follow up with this young king in about 30 to 60 days. And I will ask him what's happened. I will ask if this young lady is still around. I will ask how many meals he has provided for this young lady since then. Because a New York City first date, that is setting the bar pretty fucking high. That is setting a precedent that I think is dangerous. But to each their own, I would never judge a young king for going about his business, and I would never judge a young king for taking care of a young queen, because if I ever had myself a young daughter, a young queen, I would hope that she would be taken care of by a man, just like this young king took care of this young queen, so you know what, shout out to my brother, man, I hope it works out for you, bro, I really do, I'm staying positive for you, I'm staying optimistic for you, but I will, I will follow up, I don't know what episode it'll be, but I will follow up and ask you, and I hope that the investments you made on this queen has returned tenfold because she is great, because she is supportive, because she stuck around and because she was not looking for a free meal from a nice young man. I hope that wasn't the case, King. I'm sure it wasn't the case, but we, we will find out. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 16. Episode 16 of the Out of Character Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Cobert. My friends come me BC. You can come me to BC too if you're listening. If you're listening, we appreciate you for listening. Now, I had to share that story with y'all. I had to, you know, let y'all know what was going on, my homeboys. I, I love the group chat. You know what I'm saying? I love sharing stories with you all now we have to get on to some serious business now we have to get on to some serious things some serious things now the world went ablaze people the world went crazy when the royal family was called out for being racist racist no way racist the royal family british people racist no way now why in the world would the world be talking about the world family being racist well people oprah winfrey yeah oprah winfrey came back with a visit. man i feel like this pandemic ended because you know when oprah winfrey popped back up you know say when you know when oprah winfrey popped back up that shit getting real she was letting all her flunkies do these other little interviews and you know letting this pandemic ride but you know when she pops up shit's she's getting back to normal it's game time so oprah winfrey had a sit down interview with megan markle now if y'all don't know who megan markle is i didn't really know who she was either she is the wife of one of the sons of the world family she is part of the world family she's married to one of the one of the sons i don't know his name but she's married to one of these guys so i think it's like prince richard or prince kenneth or something it's, he's he is white as it gets but he seems like a really cool dude and she's a sister so regardless of what she does i'm going to support her and i love her for it so I think that that's why a lot of people tune in, because this is a sister, because this is compelling. We have not seen a sister within the world family. We already kind of heard some little things about how the world family wasn't really showing her love, wasn't really respecting her, wasn't really giving her the same rights that these other white princesses and queens were getting. We heard about all those things, but, you know, it was all hearsay until this Oprah interview, until this Oprah interview, people. Meghan Markle goes on and just drops bombshell after bombshell after bombshell about how her and her husband, and they also have a child, and she is with child as well, how her and her two children and her husband have been constantly disrespected, looked down upon, spat upon by this royal family, and she truly feels that it is because she is a black woman and that if she was not a black woman and that this prince had not married her and married a white woman that maybe these things would not have happened and maybe they would be giving some of the luxuries that the other members of the world family have given but so i'm not going to get too much into it because like i said it was a long interview you should definitely go check it out go support Aubrey, you know what I'm saying that's two black queens doing their thing go support but i definitely wanted you guys to hear one part of it and it was very very alarming i'm not going to tell you guys even what clip this is i'm just going to let you guys hear it first and then we're going to talk about it things in a
1: different way
0: that's not it at all i mean i think what was really hard So picture now that you know what was going on behind the scenes, right? There was a lot of fear surrounding it. I was very scared of having to offer up our baby,
1: knowing that they weren't going to be kept safe. Mm. You certainly must have had some conversations with Harry about it and have your own suspicions as to why they didn't want to make Archie a prince. What are, what are those thoughts? Why do you think that is? Do you think it's because of his race? And and I know that's a loaded question, but.
0: But I can give you an honest answer. In those months when I was pregnant, all around this same time, so we had in tandem the conversation of he won't be given security, he's not gonna be given a title.
1: And also, concerns and conversations about how dark his skin might be when he's born. What? And Who, who is having that conversation with you? What? So, um, There is a conversation, hold up, hold up. Stop There's several, right now. Com- there are several conversations There's a conversation it. with you. With Harry. About how dark your baby is going to be? Potentially and what that would mean or look like. Ooh. And you're not going to tell me who had the conversation?
0: I think that would be very damaging to them. Okay. How dark. The baby will be And what that will mean The implications of the shade Of their child Can you imagine Can you imagine Your in-laws Asking you a question like that Somebody, anybody Asking you a question Like that about your unborn child That is Insane That is wild And I'm sure all of us when we first heard that Had the same reaction. What? That's nuts. And to me, I guess I'm able to see it a little differently because I used to live in England. I saw firsthand how racist and just trash the British could be. And like, honestly, if like we really look at it, if like we want to go through the history books, if we really want to sit and look at the royal family as a whole. They're just a nuisance. They're a nuisance for lack of a better word. They're nothing but a menace, the royal family, and they have always have been. They always have been. I won't even get into the fact, right, that the, that the British, the royal family, had their own version of the Holocaust with Africans. Yes, yes, the Holocaust that happened to the Jewish people, that terrible thing that the Nazis did to the Jewish people. That has happened before. And the British people have done the exact same thing to Africans before. We're not going to talk about that, though. I'm not going to get into that. Do your Googles. Figure that one out. I promise you I didn't make that up, right? We're not going to get into the fact that they actually might have, like, killed off somebody in the royal family. Like, we ain't going to get into that either. We ain't going to get into that they killed old boys' moms. We're not going to get into that either, because like that right there alone should tell you that the British people got the game messed up a little bit. But there's a ton more, people. There's a ton more. And I was just like, dang, what if we had a list? What if we just had a list of how annoying, dumb and stupid and ignorant the world family really is? Well, people, well, people, I have put a list together for y'all for that very occasion because I feel very strongly about this like I said I had to live in England I had to be a black man in England I know what it feels like I know how racist it is and I didn't have to deal with the royal family I was not royalty I was just some regular little kid walking the streets I couldn't imagine what Meghan Markle and her family have had to deal with just being black and trying to be members of the royal family like they ain't doing nothing wrong they just in love people they just in love but like i said i put together a list for you guys and i want to share this list to you so you guys can just really understand like i'm not being too hard on the royal family i know we all grow up hearing and feeling and seeing all these stories and books about how great it would be to be a prince to be a princess to be a king to be a queen how how glorious it would be how amazing of a life being royalty would be. I mean, you hear me all the time. I call people king all the time. I call people queen all the time. And it's, it's a term of endearment. It's a term of love, people. And It's something that from little kids, we have learned to just glamorize, right? We just think being a prince, being a princess, being a king, being a queen is the greatest thing on earth. But I'm here to tell you, people, I made this list for y'all. I made this list for y'all to just let you guys know, if you ever felt bad for not being royalty, if you ever feel like you were missing out, maybe this list will help you out. Check it out, people. I'm going to read it to you. Check this out. So first things first, and this is probably, you know, this is is probably something that maybe some people wouldn't even care about, but me, I'm very, very casual, so I, I would not be happy about this rule at all but the royal family has a very strict dress code yes people a very very strict dress code as you can imagine so that means that they could not be seen outside wearing sweats if they were walking around in sweats if they went over to walmart to just grab something just real quick you know how we always got to go to like walmart or target just to grab something real quick they could not do that they would have to be dressed to the nines now i don't know if that's like a killable offense but I know it's definitely frowned upon. So imagine not being able to be casual, not being able to be a man of leisure. If you were a prince, you had to always dress up nice. But maybe, maybe if you're rich, maybe if you could dress up in the nicest of garments, maybe that isn't a big deal. So I'm going to continue with the list. I just put that at the top because it's a very, very light one. Another thing that is frowned upon by the royal family. Another thing that is frowned upon by the royal family is PDA. Is public displays of. A- if you want to get freaky with your lady in the club and you a royalty, you cannot do it. If you want to get a little extra kiss from your queen, you cannot do that in public. You have to wait till you are behind closed doors. And imagine if you a royalty. You're probably in public all the time. You're probably around people constantly. So that, can you imagine? Can you imagine the the sexual aggression and tension that is built up in these royals? Because they can't do little things like get a hug. They probably haven't hugged their mother mothers in years because of these PDA rules with the royal family so little things like that be happy you get to hug your mama be happy you get to tug kiss your girl whenever you feel like it whether you're in front of your family whether you're at the dinner table whether you're at the club be happy you have those luxuries I will continue another thing a very 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 strange thing and I know this is true because I googled it and you know google don't lie the royal family is not allowed to play Monopoly It's not allowed to play Monopoly because some guy someday said that it was too aggressive of a game. It it gets too intense. It's way too competitive. So Monopoly is not allowed. Monopoly, people. Imagine, just something like that. Now, honestly, it's a wild thing for me to put on the list because I've never actually played Monopoly before. I've never played Monopoly before, but still. I like the fact that I have the right to do it. I like the fact that I can go to the store right now, go buy Monopoly and play that shit if I want to. If I was royalty, I couldn't. I couldn't. I'll continue. Another thing. The king must always walk behind the queen. Not, not next to, not alongside. This isn't opening a door for or putting a jacket down to allow her to walk over a threshold. This is you have to walk behind her at all times. She is in the front. She is ahead of you. She is the main attraction, which is cool. Ain't nothing wrong with the woman being, you know, the boss and in charge. But if a woman had to walk behind a man, ugh, how dare he make her walk behind him? I personally think it's just weird. At all times, the man and woman should be right next to each other. Now that I think about it, I'm sure the first lady is probably behind the president a lot. So maybe that one isn't as bad. But still, as a man, as a king, I'm a king. I am a king. I am superior to every other being on this bit of land. And I got to walk behind my queen. We can't walk next to each other. We can't hold hands because there's no PDA. To me, that is egregious, people. To me, that is asinine. If I am royalty, I should be able to walk next to my wife. Another egregious rule. Another egregious rule just sounds crazy to me. Two heirs, right, two heirs to the royal throne cannot fly on the same plane together. Yes, people, they cannot fly on the same plane together. So that means two royal brothers. Two world brothers could not get together and just take a trip to Vegas. They can't just hop on a trip to Cancun and get on some hoes. No, ladies and gentlemen, they would not be allowed to fly together. They would have to take their own separate jets. They would each have to take their own personal jet in order to go somewhere together. And that also goes for a son that's of a certain age and his dad. They wouldn't be able to fly together either, people. They would have to be separate in order to keep everyone safe, which in actuality is actually a very good idea because you want to have your heirs to the thrones. You don't want people getting hit quick. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure their lives are in danger all the time, but just imagine not being able to take a flight with your father, not being able to take a flight with your sister, not being able to take a flight with your brother. Just little things like that, little things that we take for granted. People, the world family cannot do, and I will continue There's more. They do not eat food that is cooked with garlic if you are a part of the royal family and that is because the queen does not like the taste of garlic so she dislikes garlic so much her disdain for garlic is so strong that she will not allow it to be eaten around her at all the cooks are not allowed to use it yes people that includes garlic salt that includes mint salt imagine the things that these chefs are not allowed to cook because they cannot utilize garlic Not only are they not allowed to eat garlic, they are not allowed to consume seafood in the presence of the queen. They are not allowed to eat seafood in the presence of the queen. Now, I know you're thinking, oh, maybe we could just eat, you know, when she's not around. No, you also are not allowed to eat unless the queen eats. When the queen is hungry, everybody eats. When she is not hungry, everybody stops eating. When the queen stops eating, everybody must stop eating. That means if you got to the party late for some reason and you weren't able to finish your meal but the queen finished her meal, you would not be able to finish that porterhouse. You definitely ain't going to have no shrimp. You definitely ain't going to have no lobster because you are not allowed to eat seafood if you're a royalty in England. Because the queen don't fuck with seafood. The queen don't like garlic either. Hmm. Imagine that now only the queen the queen got some skills now i mean I imagine if you were a queen you should be able to do some pretty cool things now one thing that i thought honestly i would want to do if i was royalty too the queen can stop a conversation with just a mere gesture just by moving her purse from one side to the other that is a gesture to let you know the queen is done speaking to you this conversation is over i have moved my purse to the other side you are done speaking you can be in the middle of a sentence One of her nieces and nephews, one of her grandkids could be in the middle of one of them long, drawn-out stories that kids love to tell. And if she moves her purse, that little kid better shut the hell up. Because the queen is done. And if the queen stands up, you better stand. If the queen sits down, you better sit down. Yes, people, all of these are rules when you are part of the royal family. You also are not allowed to speak. That is something that Meghan Markle kind of, like, alluded to. Actually, she said very outright in the Oprah interview is that they are encouraged not to speak. They are encouraged not to talk. They are encouraged not to feel. They are encouraged to be robots. That is what you deal with if you were in the royal family. I'm sure you deal with scrutiny in the royal family. I'm sure there are reasons for all of these rules, but people, I just wanted to let you know that the British have been asinine for years. They have been menaces to society forever. And honestly, I hope this interview Leases some change. Because that is honestly very sad. I know we're being very tongue-in-cheek about this. But imagine how sad that is that you are a part of this family because you love this young man. You love this young woman. And you don't feel that you will ever be accepted by their family. Not only will you not be accepted by their family, but their family is so strong and powerful that them not accepting you can honestly mean death. Death. Because we have seen... Things like this before, we really don't know what goes on with these random deaths that happen in the world family, but we all can assume that they are very sinister. So we say all oh, this is to say people that don't put anything like this past the bridge. They are wild. They are crazy, and like I said, do your ghouls. They have been a part of some egregious things in the history of just the world itself. So, man, shout out to Megan Margo. Shout out to her husband. Shout out to her kids. I, I really hope that, you know, things don't spin out of control because of this interview. And, you know, I really hope that her and her family and her kids are able to stay safe and that, you know, her candidness in this interview with Oprah, because we haven't really seen anybody really speak to this level about the royal family and tell so much and be so revealing and honestly be so critical. So, you know, you got to hope that she's able to stay safe, that those kids are safe. Man, hearing that, you know, they're worried about the shade of her child, man. Can't imagine the stress that that young lady is going through let's hope that her pregnancy goes well that everybody is safe um and yeah man prayers to her because i can't imagine i really can't imagine when, when things like this happen i always try to put myself in everybody's shoes right and imagine what i would do and i will tell you i'm not royalty i am just a regular person but if my son married a young lady and then years later she turned around and did an interview with oprah about my family and our inner workings of our family and what we do and what we discuss in the privacy of our homes, I'd be, I'd be furious. I'd be honest. People I have to be honest. I'd be furious. I would be very mad. So let's just hope that everything is okay. That the family is okay. Because like I said, I, I would be. Oh my goodness, my son would catch a beat down. I can't believe you brought this loudmouth heifer into this household. I cannot believe you did that. I'd be furious. Like I said, I'm not even royalty. I don't really have much to lose other than just the fact that I'd be just a little embarrassed that my business was out on the street. So I can't imagine what's going on with the royal family right now. But I do hope that her honesty and candidness is taking as courage and not taking it something negative. I do not think she meant any harm. I do think she is going through a lot. She is a pregnant woman. She is in love. She does have a family to protect and take care of. And if you are not being treated fairly, what can you do? You can't just be beat down forever. Somebody has to stand up. Somebody has to take a stand. So shout out to her for being brave. Shout out to her for being courageous and just putting it all on the line, man. She wants her family taken care of. She wants respect. And, you know, hopefully we as as black folks can, you know, shelter her and take care of her and keep her safe. Like we do a lot of the other people that we look up to because this is a sister. This is a sister that made it into the world family. This is history. No, No matter what she did in the past, no matter what she does now, that is a sister, and that is important, because that is changed, man, that is changed, and she is a pioneer, so shout out to this queen, man, I really hope everything goes well with her, man, I just had to share that story, because I just thought it was wild, like I said, I used to live in England, I have ties to England, and I always did feel some type of way about how racist England was, and how I felt never welcome, I'd be a little kid, and I'd go into stores, and just get treated terribly, get looked at, hear wild things, and some stuff i probably didn't even know was racist terms that the british were using but like you could feel the disdain and ugliness from certain words and like just the way people look at you and that's how i constantly felt so i definitely wanted to share that story and shout out to megan marco please give some prayers to her and her family because i'm sure she needs it ladies and gentlemen this is episode 16 episode 16 of the out of character podcast i am your host brian colbert my friends call me bc you can call me bc too if you're listening and if you're listening we appreciate you for listening and being here with us man It has been a fun show so far, but we are far from done, ladies and gentlemen. I got some good news for y'all because y'all know how we feel. I am excited for my favorite segment, for your favorite segment, for the world's favorite Podcast segment. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Meeks is back on the streets. Meeks on the streets is back for another segment to tell y'all story. Last episode, man, he told a great story, bro. We had a lot of fun with it. I cannot wait to hear what my guy Meeks on the Streets has for us. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I bring you the greatest segment in podcast history, Meeks on the Streets. Meeks, 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 meeks. She belongs to the streets. Street, street, street. I'm from the streets. Bitch. <laughs> I love the streets. A game. I love the hustle, man.
1: All right, here we go. It's your boy, the fundraiser, a.k.a. Moneybag Jimmy, a.k.a. Jimmy with the stimmy, because I know y'all getting y'all second, y'all third round of fucking stimmies out here. Now that 1400 about to kick in. Hey, buy me a nice pair of sneaks because your boy need it. Anyway, back with another story. I know y'all missed me. You know what I'm saying? So... Previously, a couple stories ago, actually a few while ago, I touched on a story about how we do wild ass parties. So, this story is kind of touching back to base of that same party. It was Brian's 21st, wild as fuck, wild as fuck, you know what I'm saying? People everywhere, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? I know y'all seen Project X. This is like a very condensed many mini version of that but it was still lit as fuck don't 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 don't, don't try to play us it was lit you know what I'm saying we had people on the roof you know what I'm saying we had motherfucker outside we had the whole block was low key bumping you know what I'm saying the neighbors was low-key cooling everybody was chilling so anyway you know what I'm saying for those who don't know it was a song at our time at the time it was our favorite song it was called uh, it's by Dom Kennedy PG click I'm saying lit ass song and you know what I'm at the time when we came on. It was our favorite song, but nobody else at the party knew what the fuck the song was. Like everybody was just like, "Oh, what's this?" So like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but they start seeing how live we was, and by the end of that fucking song, bro, the whole fucking house was bumping. We was on this like little futons, like little cow sectional thing. Man, that whole thing was flattened, bro. We like f- that b- up. We was turning up to that song so f- much, bro. We was turned that whole f- out so. F- Lit, you know what I'm saying? We had m- outside, you know. What I'm on a roof jumping, you know. What I'm saying roof <laughs> Everybody like was just turned up to the song, and then like even the next day, niggas hitting themselves like, bro, I ain't know what that song was, but I see man that sh- live. I had to add that to the playlist, you know what I'm saying? Niggas was hitting sh- Shazam, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? We said we, we set a vibe, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to my homeboy Dom, you know what I'm saying? I don't know him personally, but I was in the murk Park last year, and that sh- low key is. Just another part of California. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, mind you, like I said, we had the whole block bumping. Cops pull up shortly after that song goes off. This nigga, Brian, throws away some some very valuable party favors. We're not going to dive into that kind <laughs> of thing today. But and it was very wasteful because the cops came in and was just like yo y'all really they was real cool they was like y'all just really being loud and y'all can't be on the roof
0: yeah they didn't even tell us to stop they didn't didn't even tell us they
1: say y'all gotta stop the party he's like y'all just can't be on the roof and y'all can't be too loud and left right after that this nigga brian looked at me and was like i'll just do away them party favors and i was like smart though smart though but honestly at the same time though what he had was very little to what was in that house it was a lot of. (laughs) Every <laughs> so it really didn't make a difference. So my nigga kind of just just lost on all ends, but party was still lit, hella people everywhere. You know what I'm saying? That wasn't the only thing that got broke. You know what I'm saying? Um, somebody else put a hole in the wall. We're not gonna talk about him neither. He was another minch guest on the, on the show, but we're not gonna spill no beans.
0: You know what I'm saying? That's a, I, I, honestly, I feel like you gotta tell that story next.
1: That oh, yeah, we, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about that next week, but you know what I'm <laughs> it was a lot of shit that happened. You know what I'm saying? Man, hearts was broken, relationships were started, you know what I'm saying? We, we threw a f- legendary party, you know what I'm saying? It was one of a kind. And like I said, if you missed it, sorry. But if you were there, I guarantee you were blessed and I guarantee you have great memories. So it's your boy, Mixiana with another great story. Peace out.
0: Ladies and gentlemen. That was another segment of Meeks on the Street. Shout out to my guy Meeks for pulling up and sharing another hilarious story. Now, the crazy part is he mentioned the cops pulling up for like a short little bit of time. Now, the funny thing was, from what I remember, now I can't truly confirm this, but I believe when they pulled up, they pulled up, they spoke to one of us. But not only were they cool about it, They didn't leave. Like, I remember seeing them, like, just chilling outside. Like, I don't want to confirm this or not, but I'm pretty sure I saw one of them with, like, a beard, Because it was, like, a whole block party. We had the entire neighborhood in our vicinity, at our crib, on our little property that we had at the time and i feel like the cops knew that too like knew the whole block was there so they might as well be there too and man what an incredible time and i'm so glad meeks brings up these stories so a lot of times i forget you know say a lot of times you live through these moments you have these amazing moments with your friends and your loved ones and you don't take the time to really reflect and like think about that stuff so like the coolest part is hearing meeks and everybody else that jumps on and tells their stories and talks um about things in their lives it's just so cool hearing these memories and hearing these moments because you know it's always good to reflect on the beautiful moments. And Something that is really, really, really beautiful is that we are on episode 16, people. Episode 1-6 of the Out of Character Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Brian Colbert. My friends call me BC. You can call me BC, too, if you're listening. And if you're listening, we appreciate you so much for listening. We appreciate you so much for being on this journey with us. And we appreciate y'all for sharing, subscribing, doing all the things that you guys do that makes Out of Character go. another place that makes out of character go our sponsors people are great friends at audible our great friends at audible they love us so much they love our out of character family so much that they have offered y'all a free month subscription to their premium service yes a free month no strings attached a free month of audible's premium service people and why would you want audible's premium service well people well, people, you're about to get back on the move. You're about to start commuting to work again. you're about to start taking flights, you're about to start taking trips, but what you don't want to do is you don't want to break that good reading book habit that you picked up during the pandemic because you know we all picked up habits. We all picked up things that we were trying and one of those hobbies that you picked up if you're listening right now, I know it. It was reading. It was reading and what you can do is continue that hobby with audiobooks, with podcasts, with memoirs from your favorite people. Barack Obama has memoirs on audible the out of character podcast is on audible and that all can be accessed through audible's premium service audible's premium service allows you to access all of these things offline on all of your devices you can pick up your phone put your phone down go to your computer and pick up where you left off people yes you can do all of that with audible's premium services and they offer it to you all our out of character family for a free 30 days, people. All you have to do, ladies and gentlemen, is go to the link audibletrial.com slash the OOC podcast. That's T-H-E-O-O-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S, audibletrial.com slash the OOC podcast for your free 30 days of Audible's premium service, people. Yes, you're welcome. Shout out to Audible, man. We hope they keep doing dope stuff with us. And let us know if you like it, baby. I've heard nothing but great things about Audible, man. I enjoy it. I have incorporated it into my life, man. I'm trying to make reading a habit. And Audible has allowed me to do that. Very, very easily, man. They have so many different types of books. So much different content. Things that I never even knew I wanted to read. I'm able to find on Audible. So shout out to Audible, man. They're great people. And ladies and gentlemen, we're going to continue the show. We're going to continue episode 16. You know, we got to shout out our sponsors, but we got to keep going. And like I said, people, this is out of character, right? This is out of character. So with out of character, we have to give you an out of character moment. And like always, the internet internets and gives us our out of character moments. And this one... I don't know necessarily if it's out of character moment, but it's definitely a moment we want to highlight and definitely something that should be out of character. But a lot of times when it comes to racism and bigotries and just ignorance, a lot of times that's very much in character with the people that show those type of terrible negative things. So I'm going to paint the picture for you, let you guys know what happened. So Norman, Oklahoma. Never been to normal Oklahoma, but I have been to Oklahoma, and I understand that Oklahoma is extremely, extremely white. Yes, I believe it is a red state. I'm not 100% sure, but I know Oklahoma is not a place I want my black ass to be. I know that for sure. So Norman, Oklahoma, they have a high school. It's a high school girls basketball game. And during the National Anthem, the girls decide to take a knee, much like a lot of athletes have done to show the solidarity, not only with Colin Kaepernick, but just at the fact that there's a lot of terrible, terrible things going on in this world, including police brutality, with black and brown people. So a lot of times, athletes from all over are taking the time to show their solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement and taking a knee. So the Norman High School girls basketball team is having what I'm assuming is a state championship or something like that, because there was a broadcast team there, there was announcers there. So what happened was these girls decided to knee during the national anthem, and what I'm assuming whatever network it was that was broadcasting the game decided to go to break. So these announcers assumed that their mics weren't hot, that they weren't on television anymore, that nobody could hear what they were saying. So I actually have the clip. I'm gonna let you guys hear what happened when these girls decided to kneel during the national anthem.
1: The national anthem, ladies and gentlemen.
0: ladies and gentlemen, so that aired throughout Oklahoma, and of course it got picked up and went everywhere online. And how despicable. How terrible for a grown man to talk about some girls like that, some high school girls like that. It's one thing to have that kind of energy and posture for like grown men in the NFL that you're never going to see or never be in front of, but you are looking right, you're right next to high school girls, and you're going to call them effing niggers? Niggers? That is insane. That is crazy. And the only reason I abbreviated effing and not the N-word is just so you could feel the nastiness that is that word, right? Because that's what he said. It was really hard to hear, but he said it. And, and what happens when, when things like this happen? What what do they do? What do these racists do? They jump immediately on the apology train and they come up with excuses and reasons for why they did these racist things. They never want to admit. You, they never want to be racist. They never want to admit and say, yes, I'm a racist. They're going to do all the things that a racist does. They're going to wear the racist wardrobes. They're going to wear the racist hat. They're going to speak the racist tongue, but they will never, ever, ever outright call themselves racist because they don't feel that their views Or their bigotries are wrong They don't feel that they're misplaced They feel that they are right In feeling the way that they feel And that is why this type of behavior continues But what happens, like we said When things like this do happen And it's highlighted We get apologies We get excuses We get terrible things And ladies and gentlemen That is what made this The out of character moment of the week Because I have never in all my days In all my days I have never, ever Heard an excuse quite like this Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to read this racist-ass idiot's statement to you all on how he explained what happened. This was how he apologized. Let me let me read it to you. I, Matt Rowan. Matt Rowan is his name, this racist idiot. On Thursday, March 11th, 2021, most regrettably made some statements that cannot be taken back. During the Norman High School girls' basketball game against Midwest City, I made an inappropriate and racist comment, believing that the microphone was off. However... Let me state immediately that this is no excuse for such comments and they should have never been uttered out of my mouth. I am a family man. I am married. I have two children. And at one time was a youth pastor. I ain't a youth pastor no more, but I, but I was once. So let me, let me throw that in there. I continue to be a member of a Baptist church. I have not only embarrassed and disappointed myself, I have embarrassed and disappointed my family and my friends. I will state that I suffer type 1 diabetes. And during the game, my sugar was spiking While not excusing my remarks, it is not unusual with my sugar spikes that I become disoriented and often say things that are not appropriate as well as hurtful. I do not believe that I would have made such horrible statements absent of my sugar spiking. So, what he thinks he did was make a very good excuse for himself, right? No, you just made yourself sound way worse. And what you also admitted was that you have previous behavior... Of saying things that are inappropriate, disrespectful, and downright hurtful. You just admitted that in your apology statement where you really haven't apologized. You have admitted that this behavior is a constant in your life. So why should we read any further? Why should we believe that this apology is at all genuine? Because it's not even an apology, really. But, But let's continue. Maybe he gets to the apology. I haven't read this whole thing. During this time, I was with a colleague and friend, Scott Salpopa. Scott was not the one that made these comments. It was me and me alone. It is not my desire to shrink my responsibility in this matter, and I certainly do not want Scott to share in the blame of this most fortunate incident. Honestly, Scott wasn't. Nobody even know who Scott was until you mentioned him. So thanks for throwing him in, buddy. You're, 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 you're clearly a stand up guy. While the comments I made would certainly seem to indicate that I am a racist, I am not. I have never considered myself to be a racist, and in short, Cannot explain why I made these comments. Nobody that's racist considers themselves racist, buddy. What's your name? Matt? Matthew? Who raised you, Matthew? This is terrible. This is awful, Matthew. Let's see. We're five paragraphs in, and I haven't seen an apology yet. So let's see. I offer my most sincere apologies for the inappropriate comments made and hope that I can obtain forgiveness. I specifically apologize to the Norman High School girls basketball team, their families, their coaches, and their entire school system. Additionally, I offer my apologies to OO, to OSSA and NFHS Network. I further apologize to all involved in this situation and simply to the entire sports community. Also, when you release a statement, please don't have it riddled with spelling errors. That does not make me feel sincerity at all. At all. You're missing letters. You're missing words. This is ridiculous. There are no words to explain what occurred. This is something for which I must take responsibility, and I wholeheartedly accept responsibility for my words and actions. It is my sincere desire that I can obtain forgiveness for my actions and words. Well, Matthew, you, Maddie, young Matt, that was the worst apology I have ever seen. What? You blamed it on diabetes? Your diabetes made you a racist? That's what we're going with here. That's what you and your white counterparts came up with. Because I know you had a think tank. Because white people always make like little lists like, you know, pros and cons lists. And they have little think tanks with their golf buddies. And I'm sure that's what this guy did. You blamed it on your diabetes. You blamed it on your blood sugar. That's the best you could do. And honestly, I do not even think that was the best you could do. But I think you knew, Maddie, that you didn't need to do your best. I think you knew that you really didn't need an excuse. That all you needed to do was give some half ass apology, and that eventually all this will go away like it goes away for all those other races. That is what the last four or five years, if not the last century, has taught these racist bigots is that they can do and say whatever they want without any type of consequence. They don't feel they're gonna get their ass beat because they think they're saved by the judicial system they don't think they're gonna lose their jobs because they think their buddies their golf buddies their country cup friends would never fire them or would never let them be without a job oh ralph's gonna hire me i'll be fine those are the things that goes on in the mind of biggest and that is why we get a dumbass apology like we got with that people diabetes diabetes Man, if you aren't the dumbest idiot on the planet, I know everybody associated with you is embarrassed and ashamed. Scotty or whoever you mentioned, I know he is so angry with you. I know he wishes he could amend this damn statement, but once you put a statement out, it's out there forever. Let me tell you, Matthew, you are an idiot. You are disgusting, and I hope you never, ever are allowed near any high schoolers, or any type of athletic event ever again, you disgust me, you are a terrible person. How dare you talk about girls like that? That is awful. Thank goodness my daughter ain't at that high school because, oh my gosh, there would have been a problem. Somebody would have got their ass beat. But, ladies and gentlemen, I do not want to end this beautiful episode on a note like that. I would never, ever want to sully episode 16 by ending it with such a disgusting topic. So what I like to do, what you guys know if you're a first-time listener, what I like to do is offer just a little bit of inspiration before we end our shows, right? Before we end episode 16, I wanna give y'all a little inspiration, this time with a story. Now, for those of y'all that have listened from episode one, I'm sure you have heard me talk about my sister and her husband quite a lot. For those of y'all that don't know, I explain them as the perfect black Couple. They are the black couple that belongs on top of the wedding cake. Okay, they are beautiful. They look amazing together. They work so hard and I truly genuinely believe they embody what true love and what a strong marriage is Two people that have their own goals have their own careers are both driven but also help each other become better people and become better at their field as well. Like they just continue to uplift and push each other. I almost feel like they're constantly like going back and forth on like who's gonna do the greater thing, not in a negative competitive way, but in just a great inspiring way to constantly stay driven. And they also both work in a field where being black, being a minority woman, being a minority man is not an easy thing to do. So they are part of a very small percentage of minorities that are capable of doing what they're doing. So I you know, I always have great things to say about my sister and her husband and one thing that I wanted to share with you guys is their story. Because their story is very, very inspirational. And to me, it also is a sign that true love that soulmates for real does exist. Now, nobody's perfect, but they're, they're pretty damn close, my sister and husband, and their story is phenomenal. So I'm gonna try to tell this because like chronologically, it's crazy, but I, I want to tell this the right way. So my sister and husband like officially, formally met when they were in training for their jobs. I'm not going to talk too much about what they do, but they were in training for the jobs and they met. So it was almost like school, right? Like almost like an extra grad school where they had to do training together and they formed a bond and a friendship through that. And that bond and friendship eventually turned into them dating and of course like I said now they're married. So they're both in the military, right? The military is such a big part of their love story. And it's a big part of my story, of course. I'm always mentioning how I've lived all over the place, how I'm a military child. And it's a huge part of my parents' love story as well because they met also in the military. So they, they meet. My, my, my sister tells us about this guy. I meet this guy. And we start all realizing that things are going to be pretty serious, right? Like we can just tell there's a different glow about my sister with this guy. And this guy's just a little different. And so... My dad, my father, dad mode, you know how dads get. I'm sure I'd be the same way if I had a daughter. He looks up my my brother-in-law. He looks him up. He Googles him, checks his Facebook. Does all the things that a concerned parent would do when they feel that, hmm, maybe this guy's going to be around for a while. And so that's what he did. And what he ended up finding out was, one, this young man is from Boston, Massachusetts, very similar to my father. My father is also from Boston, Massachusetts. Coincidence. Wow. Cool, whatever. He was born in May. A Taurus, just like my father. <laughs> coincidence, sure, whatever. Stuff like that happens all the time. No big deal. But then the quote unquote coincidences just get a little deeper. Do a little more digging. And my diet, my dad finds out. Like you guys know, I'm a member of Five Beta Sigma, the greatest fraternity on earth. And my father is also a member of Phi Beta Sigma. And While he was looking up Daniel, he realized that, oh, Daniel's dad is also a sigma. Not only is he a sigma, but he is also a sigma from Boston, Massachusetts. Huh, just like my dad. Not only is he a sigma from Boston, Massachusetts, but he is also a sigma that crossed from the same chapter as my father. Not only did he cross from the same chapter as my father, he also was the line brothers to my father's dean. The guy that crossed my father and made my father into Sigma. Yes, all of these quote-unquote coincidences, people. Yes, all of these things he is finding out. And not only do they have all of these things in common, they also were both in the military. They both served in the military. Not only did they both serve in the military, but after their first years of marriage, they both lived in Turkey. Now, for those y'all that don't know, I was born in Turkey. So, let me, let me say this again. My sister, as a young... My sister's probably four years older than me. So, my sister, as a four-year-old, and me, in my mother's tummy at the time, and my parents all moved to Turkey, right? And then I'm born. Somewhere down the line, my brother-in-law and his family moved to Turkey as well. Not only... Do they live in the same base at the same time? But my sister and her future husband go to the same schools. They go to the same daycares. They play in the same sandboxes. Now, of course, they're just babies. They have no idea what the future holds for them. My parents... And my brother-in-law's parents were friends. They would hang out, they would be in places together. And the thing that drew the inspiration for me to talk about this inspirational story, is that a picture, a picture popped up. My sister and her husband were visiting my parents. They live out in Texas. My mother has all of these home videos. So my dad was just so crazy, much like me into film and just videotaping things and capturing moments and remembering moments and telling stories. And so my dad was always walking around with the camcorder and we had all of these videos and what my mom did was she had them remastered and put to DVD. So we watched them all the time. It's very, you know, nostalgic. It makes us all feel good to see all this stuff and just see us as little babies. And also see our young parents and how much they loved us and truly were like, just excited and geeked to be parents. So they're all watching this stuff together. and They're laughing and chilling. Then all of a sudden it's just just, wait, wait, pause it. And they pause it. And on the screen, is me i'm in my stroller so i'm one years old probably and my sister she's standing looking at the camera and right behind her is the skinny little ball-headed boy look like little bill look like little bill in the picture it's a little fuzzy and he's staring he's holding i think he's holding like a balloon or something and he's staring dead at my sister as if the young man knows at that very moment that's my queen That is the woman that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Now, of course, she's just a kid, so that's not what he's thinking. But that is what was captured in that moment in time. And my sister saw and noticed it and said, oh, my gosh, that's my husband. We had no idea at the time when we saved this footage. We had no clue. When my dad recorded this footage, he had no idea that that little boy standing next to his daughter would be the one that he entrusted to take care of her for the rest of her life. And to me, when I heard that, well, on top of all the other things that I already knew that I just told you guys, it just stood out to me so much because is there a better story of God having somebody chosen for you, of God having somebody that was made and built for you, to where there is no doubt all of these things line up and add up to the point where there is no doubt in your mind that this is the man, this is the woman that God made for you. So to all of you guys that are out there that You know are dealing with loneliness because like I said the pandemic Is still going on there's a lot of people that are still in the house There's a lot of people that aren't socializing the way That they are normally used to If you are one of those people if you're one of those people that are feeling lonely If you're one of those people that are getting up there in age Getting closer to 30 in their mid 30s Even maybe getting closer to 40 and you're alone And you don't feel like you have a loved one And you don't feel like soulmates Really exist maybe you've been in a bunch Of terrible relationships maybe you've been With a bunch of just not shit Guys and females and you know you're just running out of hope Trust to believe my sister been with plenty of dudes It wasn't all that I'm sure my brother-in-law's been with plenty of young ladies That just didn't make the cut Clearly because he's with my sister now So I say all that to say People This is proof this is proof that true love and soulmates exist. So don't give up. I'm always talking about hope. I'm always talking about never giving up. Don't give up on love, people. I truly believe there is nothing stronger or more beautiful in this world than love. I know that sounds corny. I know that sounds cliche, but I truly feel that. And I do truly feel there is love for everybody that is ready to receive it and also ready to give it. So, people, if you're listening right now, hear that story about my sister and her husband and take happiness in it. Take pride in it. Um, have faith in it have hopefulness in it because your person might be out there too you could be standing next to that person in the in the grocery store you could have went to elementary school with this person you could have been driving behind this person in traffic you never know where that special somebody is so all you can do is have your mind and heart open, be ready to receive love, be ready to give love at all times and never give up, never give up on hope on love, people, because there are stories like that out there, and if there are stories like that out there, that means that true love exists, and if there's even a chance at true love, at happiness on that magnitude, isn't it worth trying, isn't it worth seeking, Isn't it worth not settling for people that don't deserve our time, that don't deserve our energy, that don't deserve our love? Ladies and gentlemen, do not give up. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're feeling alone, know that there is somebody out there that was made for you, and there is somebody out there that will love and honor you the way that you deserve to be loved and honored, the way that that person that you've given all your time and energy to refuses to love you. There is somebody out there that will do it for you, people. I have no doubt about that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 16 of the Out of Character Podcast. I am your host, Brian Colbert. My friends call me BC. You call me BC. DC2 if you're listening. And if you're listening, we appreciate y'all for listening. This is it. This is the end of the show, people. This is the end of the world. We are here. At the end of the world, thank y'all so much for being here with me on this journey. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Man, I hope you guys had some fun. I hope you guys learned some things, and I hope you caught a little inspiration to everybody involved in the Out of Character podcast. And Director Lex for always being here, making things pop. For all the people that give me ideas, that help write, that help do all of these things for the Out of Character podcast. Shout out to y'all, and most importantly, shout out to my Out of Character family. Shout out to all the listeners, shout out to all the viewers that continue to just help us out, man, and show love and inspire us to continue to make great content. And last thing, people, I got to do a little promo. I got to do a little shout-out. Our guy, executive producer of the podcast, Isaac, jumped on season four of You Better Ask Somebody. Yes, we brought You Better Ask Somebody back. The show where we do a lot of drinks and have a lot of fun and tell a lot of stories, people is back. And Isaac, our executive producer of the podcast, jumped on it. So if you have not checked out that video, please go do it i promise y'all it is so much fun man to dude is hilarious and he's just a great overall guy man so you know i love highlighting my great friends my talented friends ladies and gentlemen like i said this is episode 16 of the out of character podcast i am your host brian Colbert. my friends call me bc you call me bc too if you're listening and we appreciate you for listening to everybody this is the end of the show we love y'all keep hope alive never give up on love and god bless